Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music. I am Tosh. And I'm Kimley. And here on Book Music, we discuss books on music. Books by musicians, their memoirs, or music history, or any type of book that deals with any type of music. Therefore, we are Book Music. And today's episode, we are going to discuss the book called Remain in Love. Chris Franz is the author, and Chris Franz is the a member of the band Talking Heads and Tom Tom Club. Kinley, on your copy, do you have um, the subtitle as well, Remain in Love? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it's Remain in Love, Talking Heads, Tom Tom Club, Tina. But I have a digital copy from the library. That's what I read. Oh, okay. That's why I was curious. They changed the title because mine says, Remain in Love, Talking Heads, Tom Tom Club, Tina. Yeah, that's what mine says, I think. Like, you know, people have heard of the Talking Heads. People have heard of Tom Tom Club. But Tina. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure anybody reading this book is a fan. I mean, how they know that it's not Tina Turner? <laughs> Good point. Good point. I'm sure she played a key role in in Chris Franz's life. Chris Franz could be sort of the Ike to uh, to this. Oh boy. <laughs> Let's not go there. That's not a good plan. <laughs> well, anyway, um, so uh, Remain in Love, it's a memoir of Chris Brands of his years with, uh, well, his, his whole life, including um, Talking Heads, Tom Tom Club, and Tina, of course. And um, you're, a, you're a Talking Heads fan, correct? I'm a huge, huge Talking Heads fan. Um, and I'm a huge David Byrne fan. And yes, you so, put, uh, <laughs> okay, so, and, it's an interesting read for sure. <laughs> and I'm and and I really like the Talking Heads a lot. I mean, I I love the first three Talking Heads albums. They're my favorite. The first uh -huh. three albums. Yeah. And um, I always remember that my first introduction to Talking Heads is not really musical. It was actually a visual thing. Of course, mm. like most most music things are are visual things for me at first. Hmm. And I'm always been intrigued because, you know, it was the time of CBGBs. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the Ramones. They had a look. Mm -hmm. And then there's television, the great television, who definitely have a look of coolness and this, right. you know. And then talking heads. <laughs> and, you know, like television had like sort of like used clothing, you know, look like they found stuff out of a garbage or, you know. It's right. Just, it's just like it's stuff sort of very loose, very right. uh, just. There's a sexiness to it, even though it seems very cavalier and. And the hair and the haircuts are going everywhere. I mean, it's like right. you know, like it's right. like the, it's a like, Rambo. You know, they're definitely yeah. uh, channeling that Rambo and Baudelaire. And like maybe they didn't even finish their haircut. You know what right. I mean? Like, like, <laughs> Couldn't be okay, bothered. That's enough. But, you know, I'm, I have things to do. I have to write songs, change right. character. Right. 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 go to do new york stuff ramones are totally same haircut basically and you know the leather jacket t-shirts and jeans ripped jeans yes. ripped jeans in the knee area but talking heads which makes them so unique was that their look was totally preppy yes yes he talks about it a lot in the book he goes on and on and on about the brooks brothers shirts and the lacoste shirts and and uh, I was laughing when he talked about Lester Bangs and how Lester Bangs didn't quite get Talking Heads at first. And then he finally was, he had an epiphany. He was like, 
you guys are so uncool that you're cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, that actually caught my attention as well because they look sure. so uncool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tina, you know, Tina was like really cute looking. I mean, yeah. in, in my mind at the time. And, yeah. But yeah. she wasn't like this, you know, sexy rocker chick for sure. No, 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 no. Yeah. She was just so very like, sweet looking. Yeah. Yeah. And David Burton's very toothy, you know, kind of toothy. Scott, it looked like he's in another world, but he's wearing right. his yuppie. Not yuppie, but like his, you know, sort of preppy look. Yeah, he's definitely Chris, kind of quirky, goofy looking. Yeah. And and Chris Brands definitely did not look rock and roll. He looked like no, a, no, he just looks like sort of a sweet teddy bear kind of guy. He he sort of looks like a guy whose parents may be in the military. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like maybe his father is a general or something, <laughs> or at least maybe an insurance agent back east. I, I imagine like a John Cheever type of character. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> right, right. So yeah, because that sort of a preppy look, it has a sort of a sinister quality, you know, like Tony Perkins. Huh? Yes, yes, yes. And David Byrne and Tony Perkins, there's a similar look between Tony Perkins. And oh, David definitely, Byrne. definitely. I mean, yeah. you think of Psycho, you think of Tony Perkins. Yeah. Can you imagine like seeing David Byrne in that character in that role? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Psycho killer. <laughs> Which is the very first song they wrote. I know that was kind of interesting. I was I didn't know that that was the very first song that they'd ever written. I didn't either. Uh, I mean, I know it's that's, an early that's song. Pretty, yeah, exactly. But I didn't realize it was the first song they'd written before they'd even come to New York when they were still at RISD. Yeah, it's a great song. It is a great song. Yeah, and it's one of the classics. In fact, it's my alarm on my phone. <laughs> it's your alarm on your phone. Okay, that's kind of. That, that, that's kind of creepy. But I know, cool. I know. It's good. It makes me uh, wake up immediately to turn it off. <laughs> okay. What I realized from reading this book, Remain uh -huh. in Love by Chris Brands, is that I always thought of David Byrne as being the songwriter. Uh -huh. And that's not true. Chris Brands okay. wrote a lot of the song. Like Chris Brands, like David Byrne brought the ideal psycho killer and he had like a line or two. Right. But Chris Brands pretty much finish the song i mean he, well he i thought it. all three of them wrote it i thought tina wrote part of it as well and tina yes who's part of the title among talking heads tom tom club and so talking hands are really really you know when i listen to their music and you know, of course seeing the movie you know you know stop making sense they're really interesting you know they're very sort of interesting characters and at least you know at least in a band wise or sound wise mm -hmm. And reading remain in light and uh, remain in not, I almost said remain. I know in light. I keep wanting to say remain in light too. <laughs> remain in love. Uh huh. It's not as interesting as the band image I have of Talking Heads. Right. Well, I would say one of the things about this book that um, it, it, I had an issue with is that it seemed like it was very sort of X happened, Y happened, and then Z happened. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of reflection on it or insight. Mm -hmm. It was really more just a telling of events. Yes. Um, so I was a little disappointed with that aspect of it. Um, you know, I didn't feel like he really got into things. A yeah. lot of, you know, I'd say a good 60, 70 percent of the book I already knew as a hardcore fan. And then mm -hmm. stuff you can find just with a Google search. What, um, what, 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 what 
Did you find any new thing here in the book? Uh, well, you know, one of the things I did like about the book is he did have a lot of amusing stories, you know, just sort of little peripheral stories, mm -hmm. uh, you know, about the scene and the people that he was hanging out with. Um, my favorite story was the David Johansson story where he's, uh, Chris and Tina are living on the Lower East Side and it's a really wintry, stormy night and Chris is just like, oh, I want to go out. And he like mm -hmm. puts on all his winter gear. He puts on his boots and his coat yeah. and he wraps himself all up, bundled up, and he walks over to CBGB's. He walks in and he sees David Johansson at the bar dressed in a, and he says like a powder blue, uh, you know, satin suit with no shirt on underneath. And, and David Johansson just looks at her and he says, Chris, he says, you know, rock stars, we don't dress for the weather. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. Was like, <laughs> the talking heads definitely did not have that rock star demeanor in any way, shape or form. <laughs> no, it's very interesting because, you know, I, I can, I, I could picture David Johansson saying that. Oh, me too. It was such a classic story. And I had never heard that story before. So that was great. Because when I hear him, you know, I hear the, I hear like Bowery boys. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I don't know what, what part he's from Long Island, I think, but there's he's such a strong New York. Yeah, when he wrote it out in the book, he tried to you know replicate New, it back. New York, New York accent. Yeah, yeah, weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it say those R's? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I went to. Um, I shouldn't bring my personal experience to the book, but um, I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> um, I went to CBGBs at the height of, of that time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, and I walked in, and who did I see at the bar talking? David Johansson. Oh, that's funny, wow. And he had such a strong New York accent. Uh-huh. And then walking right by me was Johnny Rotten. Wow. And so he had when this was this, like 76, 77? 77, 1977. Uh-huh. I think the Sex Pistols, this, like it may be on that American tour where they broke up and it's like after or okay. I can't remember right before, but I thought, uh -huh. and then Richard Hell is on stage. Wow. And I thought, this is it. This is the ultimate like CBGBs. Yeah. You're at the epicenter. Yeah. yeah. And I was so impressed to be in that environment. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like such an amazing scene. And, um, I, and I get goosebumps just thinking about it me being there. I know. I can't believe you never told me that story before. I had I no idea. I didn't know you'd ever been to CBGBs. And when uh, I read, and when I re read uh, "Remain in Love," when he talks about that era, that time, I don't get goosebumps. Ah, uh, huh. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, it's a, it, he just um, he says it in a very matter-of-fact kind of way. You know, this happened, that happened, and it just seems kind of almost like a list of events. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was strange. Um, you know, you and I have both read a lot of memoirs from that era. You know, we've read yes. several of the Patti Smith, we've read the Richard Lloyd, we've read the Richard Hell, mm -hmm. the Duncan Hanna. Um, you know, oh, and they're, they all seem so much more personal than this one. Yes. Um, I feel like I still don't really have a grasp of who Chris Franz as a person is. Yeah. Um, he sort of skirts anything really too personal. What we do know is that he's, we know he's Chris Franz. Yes. <laughs> he's actually, you know, with David Byrne and Tina, uh, and I guess Jerry Harrison, the fourth uh -huh. member of Talking Heads. He, he contributed a lot of the music. We know that. Right, right. We know that he loves his wife. 
Yeah, he really lays it on thick with that. I tell you, my cynical side was kind of wondering, is like, uh, is he in the doghouse in this marriage? Is he trying to repair his marriage with this book? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's just all genuine. But, you know, I'm, I'm so, it was really laid on thick. I was like, almost every page, it goes on and on about how much he loves. Yeah, for, as, as, a, as a memoir, Yeah. which is supposed to be, you know, technically an autobiography, a memoir, you're sort of showing your demons out or showing right. your inner life. You know, like or stuff like, you know, sometimes life is not always perfect. It's it's right. difficult. Right. That doesn't happen to Chris. No, 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 no. I I I was laughing because it's kind of like, you know, he does he does mention, you know, several times about taking drugs, and uh, you know, despite the fact that he like snorted heroin with uh, an unnamed member of the Rolling Stones, he still sort of portrays himself. Who could that like be? A, I know, <laughs> but he portrays himself as this sort of Norman Rockwell rock star. I know. Okay, uh, well, let's let's try to figure out who. Oh, I, I I I was trying to think about it because he does specify that it's not not Keith Richards. So I. Yes, it's not Keith. I, I know. It's so yeah, funny. He, he, first, he says anonymous member. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Rolling Stones, and then right. okay, and then that's not <laughs> Mitch Jagger. Uh, no, I no, he's not Keith Richards. That's all he says. But I would. Oh yeah, my, it's my not best on Ron Wood. Because <laughs> oh, I don't you, think I don't uh, think Mick Jagger's friendly enough to invite someone <laughs> to, <laughs> to share drugs, and I don't think Charlie Watts or Bill Wyman would. I can't see Charlie Watts doing that. No, me neither. I don't. And think. Bill Wyman, I don't think he would. Yeah, that's why my bet's on Ron Wood, even though I don't. I don't know enough about Ron Wood. I sort of figure out Ron Wood, yeah. rightly or wrongly, within 30 seconds after reading that, it. Me too. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> you can sort of eliminate. Once he said it wasn't Keith Richards, it's like, okay, it's got to be Ron Wood. <laughs> I mean, he could have said it could have been like in the Roy Stone's camp. It could be like the road manager or. Sure, sure. Sure, I know. But, you know that's a I, member he, of the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I know. It was so funny that he wouldn't say the name, but and but he would say it wasn't because obviously the first assumption would be Keith Richards. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you which Beatle it is, but he's married to a Japanese woman. <laughs> exactly. Very coy. So <laughs> um, we do learn. We're not learned, but we do realize that he loves Tina very much, and. Yes. And, and what's not, not to love? I mean, that's Tina. She's such a super cool chick. Yes, she is. And 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 it's good that every I don't know, at least there's many chapters of the book. At least one section of the chapter, there's a mention how much he loves Tina. Yes. <laughs> the fact that from a long distance he saw this beautiful woman walking towards him. He didn't know who it was at first. He said, "Well, who is that beautiful woman?" <laughs> said, oh, and it's like my wife. It's Tina. Uh. <laughs> which happens a lot in the book yes 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 no i know it's pretty funny and then there's a very uh not long but a very in-depth chapter on their wedding yes yes <laughs> and what's interesting about the wedding because you know it is a memoir and you, you know it's you you're trying to bring out something personal you know yeah. uh -huh. um something revealing of sorts but you know of course you want to keep your privacy yeah. This is a very detailed account of um, of, of their wedding, right? Um, which is not interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, I, it was a bit of a slog to get through the beginning of it. Um, you know, I mean, he just had a fairly—it sounds like a fairly idyllic childhood. So 
He had a happy childhood. A few pages, I think. <laughs> he was very happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he definitely. So this, this is a memoir from a very happy, sane person. Right. Luckily, he doesn't have any weird eccentricities. Um, he does talk about cocaine, but we don't know how deep or how bad, except it did affect their marriage in a sense because Tina suggested that he should you know, get help. Right, um, right. Yeah, he really skirts over that. I mean, you know, I think people who have drug issues usually are, you know, grappling with some demons and he never really gets into that. And it, it's literally one paragraph that he says, yeah, I realized I had some drug problems and Tina said I needed to get my act together. She'd leave me. So I did. And that was pretty much it. So, and, and that was the know, only dark it. point in their yeah, marriage exactly. in 30 some years of marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's, interesting that, it's interesting to note though, you know, most, and not all, but most people, when they bring up the of narcotic use or drinking, it's, it usually becomes a big part of their memoir because it's a huge sure. issue. Addiction yeah, is a yeah. huge issue, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So and, and, there's like, always, and it's always like sort of the either the alcoholic flaunting their disease, if one calls it that, or, or talking about the recovery period or, yeah. or dealing with the everyday life of being addicted to alcohol or drugs. Right. And every, so far, every memoir I've read that a person who is under the addiction of either something of that sort yeah. usually go on you know it's a big part of the book usually just by sure. its nature. sure sure and I mean, it's a challenge and i think it's a challenge that a lot of people can relate to so yeah they want to read they want to read about it um, yeah it's not in this book at all no for whatever reason he obviously didn't want to get into it which is fine you know yeah we all have different things that we're willing to share with the world. So. But what he's willing to share is his love for Tina. Yeah. <laughs> and his definite issues with uh, David Byrne. <laughs> and how many ways does he love Tina? <laughs> Let me count the ways. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's not. There's not many ways. He just loves Tina. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean hopefully it, it's, it's sweet, uh, you know. Uh, I'm like sure it is. But, but yeah. you know, when you read the great romantic books or books about romance, Wuthering Heights, for instance. Okay. <laughs> the, 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 well, that's a questionable romance. Yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> when you talk about love, you're writing about love the way it is. Shakespeare talks about love, about all its complexities and its yeah, right. depth and its, 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 its textures. Here, his love expressed in the book has no texture or depth. Well, I felt the whole book was sort of like that. I mean, everything that he talks about, it's always like, you know, oh, that was so cool or that was really fun. You know, like um, he talks about going to, you know, Andy Warhol's factory and and you know, all he really says about it is, oh, you know, it was really fun. It was so cool. And we got to go see it. And that's kind of like, well, I, why do you like Andy Warhol? And, you know, and I was really kind of mystified as to what attracted him to the sort of so-called artistic life. He never really talks about that, given, you know, his, the environment that he grew up in with a military yeah. family. And, you know, it sounds like they were somewhat conservative in this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, definitely not an artistic family. And, and that's so, you know, usually people who are drawn to the arts, like that's a big part of their early development is that struggle of, you know, do I pursue this? And, you know, the, how hard it is to, sort of make that decision because it's such an uncertain life and 
he doesn't really get into any of that. And I kept wondering, like, well, what drew him to that? You know, I mean, he yeah. definitely romanticized it to a certain degree, but he didn't really, I felt where, like where, I didn't understand him at all, you know? Yeah, where, where did it come from? Where does yeah, it, where did the drive come music, from? Okay, music is, you know, you hear it on the radio, the Beatles, or, you know, Rolling right. Stone. I get that. Right. But I don't get the sense about his draw to the visual arts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, who do you, what, what turned him on in the youth or teenager that said, wow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, you know, I'm going yeah. to become a painter. And, and I understand the romantic notion of being a painter, you know. Right, and, right. But you that, still have to have some drive to want to do that. Yeah, or some conflict with you and your family. I mean, you right. know, they're, they're highly educated, very, you know, military I'm, I'm presumed very ambitious orientated as well as Tina's family is the same background. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tina, I didn't know that about Tina's family. So that Tina and Chris come from the same world. Yeah. Yeah. They both come from military families. And when you read about their wedding, the family, <laughs> yeah. like one big family, one big happy family. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there's no, there's no weirdos in the family. There's no, uh, <laughs> it's just all, they're all like good and normal. People. Right. Right. Good, right. decent, normal, everyday, good. Wholesome. I know he's a very uh, G. Willikers kind of guy. I kept yeah. thinking he's sort of like Opie got dropped into like William Burroughs Wild Boys or something. You know? Yeah. yeah, and Devin Byrne has that sort of quality, like, gee whiz, you know. I'm, you know. Well, no, but his is kind of creepy. Like, you know, there's something weird about Byrne, by the way. I'm wondering if David Byrne observed these things on other people. Ah, okay. Yeah. Possibly, I don't know. You know, I'm getting, you're getting my drift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't fully understand. You know, where like I, I'm not getting. You know, people become people because they become. But what, in in Chris's background, made him the Chris France, the drummer of Talking Heads yeah. and Tom Tom Club, and you know him becoming interested in in, in avant garde art, which he doesn't even talk about in that sense, but he just right. likes art. Yeah. And how did that happen? Yeah. You know, it's kind of strange because most memoirs I read, it has like a, a, a pattern. Like, you know, I went to the museum, my mom took me to the museum, and I saw that right. piece, and right. wow, that really right. blew me away. Yeah, I saw this thing, and the whole world opened up to me. You know, yeah, there's no yeah. moments like that in, in the book. Yeah, no, I know. I thought that was very strange. I, I like I said, when I finished reading the book, I still found him to be an enigma. I don't feel like I got a sense of. And the end of the book is very strange to me. That he, um, his last comment was, um, Tina and I had so many good adventures together, and for that I am ever thankful. When people say it's time to move on, I am not down with that. When speaking about my family, my friends, and my band, I am not a person who moves on, quote unquote. I remain, and I remain in love. <laughs> yeah. What does uh, that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> well, I know what it means, but, you know, technically, yeah. you know, think about moving on is sort of the great American spirit of sorts. That's why you're. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what he meant by not wanting to move but, on. But, when you're an artist, you, you don't want to stay there. You want to move yeah, on. That's, that's yeah. the essence of being an artist to me. Yeah, yeah. I didn't quite understand what he meant by that either. If you're going to get a job and you know, stay your job that you know, at or either a record store, a bookstore, or yeah. at the bank or whatever, that is like remaining in place. But an artist usually right. 
is not about remaining in place. Right. And that's I mean, not, he actually hasn't in practice. I mean, he's kept himself busy with various projects. So, um, yeah. And very successful. Awesome. I mean, technically, Tom Tom Club is probably more successful than. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, he talks about that. How Talking Tom Heads. Club had a, a huge hit way before Talking Heads had any yeah. hits. And Young, good for them. It's a good song and all sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. But um, the amazing thing, Kim Lee, is that we have spoke about this book for 25 minutes and we have not mentioned at all the issue of two words, David Byrne. <laughs> yeah, there's clearly a lot of bad blood there. And um, You know what David Byrne does? Huh? He moves on. Yes. <laughs> this is true. Yes. David Byrne has continued to move on. Chris, I mean, does, not, Chris does not move on. It was interesting because right in the preface, I pulled this quote. He says, uh, he says, you could say that Tina and I were the team who made David Byrne famous. And I kind of thought, hmm, my suspicion is David Byrne would have been famous in somebody else if it wasn't for them. Now, that isn't to say that, you know, they didn't have something to do with it and that, you know, they weren't instrumental yeah. but every band has its chemistry and has its importance right i mean it's right. very very important that you know that never underestimate the drummer in any band right <laughs> if you're a true musician you know keith Richards is not going to say it's not going to get rid of Troy watts no, like the, of the beatles are not going to get rid of or john and paul are not going to get rid of ringo yeah <laughs> you don't, yeah. You, don't mess yeah. With, you don't mess with the drummer no and, no no and and each band is is truly and honestly a unit you know and and definitely when david byrne left talking heads or when like uh, john fogarty left credence clearwater i'm talking like the figureheads it yeah. changes everything even their solo records are it's argument if it's better or or worse than their you know their previous band or their what they were famous for but there is a radical change that happens yes yes it moves you know life moves on right right but, I just I get the sense that he feels like he um, didn't get enough credit for the Talking Heads, and I feel like, well, you know, almost any band, the lead singer is the person that gets focused on. That's just kind of the way it goes. Yeah. Um, for better or worse, you know, I think the hardcore fans understand, mm -hmm. um, you know, the importance of each member of the band and what they contributed. Um, so I don't know, and I, you know, obviously. Uh, I mean, a lot of the stories, pretty much all of the nasty stories he says about David Byrne, I'd heard before. So it wasn't like I didn't know that he's got it. I mean, he has a reputation for being a difficult person, to say the least. And uh -huh. and I'm sure they didn't realize, you know, back in the day that he was on the spectrum. And, you know, that might have made some difference. I don't know. Um, doesn't make it any easier to deal with. You know, it's still we're the spectrum. We're talking like like autistic or yes, or, yes. Know. David Byrne himself has come out and said that he's autistic, and right. uh, I think he has Asperger's. I'm not sure. Asperger, yes. Which is actually uh, a big part of his whole appeal. I mean, that sort of that focus on you know the way he looks at the world is very unique. And right. um, uh, you know, you're, when you get a love song from David Byrne, it's not going to be your typical love song. That's for sure. Yeah, he has written songs about love and, and romantic right. songs of sorts. Right. You know, right. but and he has no problems getting uh, hot girls. That's for sure. No, he does not. <laughs> but this is an interesting point: is that David Byrne's world, his lyrics, makes the Talking Head songs interesting. Yeah. yeah. Chris's relationship with Tina is not what makes Talking Heads. Right. 
right. musically, yeah, you know, the percussion drum. And, and, then, and Chris does write some of the words. I, I, I don't know what the percentage is, but, you know, according to the book, he definitely has contributed lyrics to, um, you know, to the Talking Heads songs. Yeah. yeah. But the image of Talking Heads is very much David Byrne's uh, outlook or the way he looks at the world, which is very yeah. unique. Yeah. And, um, and it's not a world that is actually shared with, with Chris. And I presume Tina. We, I mean, we don't know what Tina thinks, Tina thinks, because I don't think she's even quoted in the book really that much. Yeah. Except how much, you know, he loves Tina. <laughs> and, exactly. uh, and that's all we know. <laughs> I, don't know yeah. about, I don't know about Tina, to tell you for the book. No, no. We get facts, you know, what her family is, which is very similar right. to his family. Right. But, I, right. I, but, like, the fact is, you know, what makes her such a, uh, a unique and special person? And yeah. I, I don't know. No, he doesn't really. Yeah, he doesn't talk about, uh, yeah, like, what are her interests? You know, does she still paint? Uh, you know, what, what drew her to being in the arts? I, yeah, yeah that's a mystery. It's, it's and a but we do know that David Byrne has peculiar uh, habits and peculiar centricities. Yeah, that he knows. Yeah, you know, and it's very strange to me because there's this strange, you know, it's, it's like it's sort of like it's sort of like you're like an, you're like a police officer and you have your partner a little bit weird. Uh -huh. And you're trying to protect that partner because it's your job to be a team. Right. And in many ways, when Talking Heads were doing music, it's sort of like a magical, happy moment for everybody. Or according mm -hmm. to Chris, it's a happy moment. Yet, mm -hmm. there's actually reasons, or not reasons, but there's actually, it doesn't work. It doesn't gel. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, rightfully or wrongly, David Byrne was not comfortable being in the Talking Heads anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it was a money situation or a personality thing, but it's interesting, you know, like, he, it's funny that, you know, like, he, they talk about doing a reunion, I guess, after their, um, their uh, when they when they entered the, uh, the introduction, and then, and then I think probably Chris or, you know, business people, Chris mentioned this as well, maybe we should, you know, get back together and do a project yeah. or something. Yeah. And they were, well, we'll, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. And then he wrote that email over the weekend saying, Please do not ever mention uh, talking heads getting back together. Oh. It's not gonna happen. But the way he wrote it was not like let's you know some people leave it open. You know, it's an open yeah. subject matter. But he yeah. definitely in that one sentence clearly is not. There's not going to be any more talking heads right. ever again. Right. Well, it was funny because uh, the interview that you and I watched uh, online last night mm -hmm. that Chris did with Jeff Garland uh, via BookSoup. To promote the book, he somebody asked about the reunion. You know, would they ever reunite? And and it, you could tell that that France would really like to, but it, it doesn't seem like something. But why? But that's the, the situation. It's kind of interesting about the about his character is that yeah. David Byrne does not want to do it. Right. And okay, right. so therefore, why? Yeah. And and I'll, and I don't think Chris in the book at least doesn't answer that question or try to figure out why. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. he has too much of ego. Because he want, you know, he wants to write his own songs, or he wants to do his own theater projects, or you know, it does mention that that he was advised that if David Byrne's going to do solo stuff, David Byrne has to do solo stuff and not do Talking Head stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's I guess that's an explanation of sorts. But I would explore why my partner does not want to be in the band with me. Yeah, you know, and that's what, and that's what, and I feel like that whole there's it's like there's like a subject matter that's missing. 
yeah. And I get that for the whole book. I feel there's like a lot of missing holes in a way. And then and we were talking about it. It sort of reminds me of the Debbie Harry book. Yeah. yeah. Where a, a fascinating personality, you know, a really good artist. Yeah. Uh, and a, a person of strong character, I presume yeah. has strong character. Yet her book is full of like these sort of strange lack of anything. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like it doesn't yeah. really, there's no, there's no really substance to her stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I would, I would recommend this book to anybody who's a fan because yeah. it's still a fun read. So anybody who's a fan of the Talking Heads or the Tom Tom Club or just that whole CBGB's era, this is another piece, you know, you, you want to read it, you know, and yeah. I enjoyed it in that regard. But um, if you're not a fan, it's not a book to read. Whereas some of these books like, uh, you know, Viv Albertine's book, I read her book, even though I didn't know anything about the slits, for whatever reason, they're a band that just mm -hmm. sort of slipped through the cracks for me. But yeah. I had read good things about her memoir and I read it and it was fantastic, despite the fact that I knew nothing about her or her work. You know, I mean, she's just a really great writer. Yes, she is. Uh, she's, a, know, she's, so, she's great. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm a huge slits fan <laughs> and I love her solo yeah. stuff as well. Um, you know, and I think uh, Duncan Hannah's book is the same. It's, it's yeah. uh, I, I, all, all I knew about him was those uh, Penguin book cover paintings before I read his book. Uh -huh. um, you know, but then I read his book and and I loved it. It was so it was so much fun because he really sort of captured the era. And, and interesting, you know, and Duncan, Duncan, I love that book as well. Yeah, I'm a big Duncan fan. Yeah, and I think what's really impressed me most is you know, all the authors who write about television or Tom Verlaine, I don't get I don't get a picture of Tom Verlaine for their books. Yeah. Even books I like a lot, like Richard Hell's book, which I love. But uh -huh. still the essence of Tom Verlaine is totally like a shadow figure. Yeah. Well I and, think maybe he is a shadow figure. Yeah. <laughs> and the only person that gave me some insight into Tom Verlaine is actually Duncan's book. Uh huh. For uh -huh. me at least, reading Duncan's thoughts on television uh -huh. and Tom Verlaine was the first He's the first person that actually gave me a little personal insight into Tom Verlaine. Right. You know, and uh, like most people just write, I don't get this guy, Tom Verlaine, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's I, there, I and when I talk to people about him, I, you know, personal friends and stuff, they go, uh, yeah, I, you know, I just don't get him. Yeah. But Duncan actually um, has a, either understanding of him or at least can pick up, you know, an aspect of his character that was not exposed uh, -huh. uh either for journalism or on a book so i really thought duncan's book was really incredible you know yeah amazing yeah. amazing yeah. he's a good writer yeah definitely uh, yeah so remain in love not remain in love talking heads tom tom club tina tina <laughs> we don't know tina's last name but it's just tina <laughs> Had to keep that alliteration. Talking, Tom, Tom, yeah. Tina. And it, it seems obvious to me that this book is truly written by Chris Franz. Um, I don't feel there was a ghostwriter at all. Or Oh, yeah. No, this definitely. is definitely Chris's I mean, when voice. you hear him speak, it certainly, it sounds very similar. It sounds like his style. Definitely. So it's, it's definitely a legit word to the page book by, um, by Chris Franz. Yeah, yeah, and there's definitely a lot of good stories in here, and uh, you know it's a fun read. Um, just uh, would have liked to have gotten a little bit more depth, but you know if you're a fan, you definitely want to check it out. 
if you're a Talking Heads fan, it, it is you, you should definitely check it or out. even if you're a fan of that scene you know i mean he does spend a lot of time talking about touring with the ramones and those are some pretty funny stories i, I love the story about when they were in paris and and the talking heads are all you know getting you know going to all the museums and the cafes and, and the ramones are just like there's a mcdonald's let's go eat at mcdonald's and they go to mcdonald's and go back to their hotel and it's like okay. specifically johnny ramones Yes, yes, Johnny Ramone to the whole European tour. He's just like, this is grim. This is so grim. <laughs> you know, reading about the Ramones are probably, is probably the most depressing narrative. Yeah, America. they're like the quintessential ugly Americans, I tell you. <laughs> well, beyond that, they're like so, in one way, they're such a perfect band. Like, you yeah. Know, like Johnny is like the, the business guy, the guy who makes, you know, we go to A to B. Uh-huh. And nowhere else, A to B. And then you got the, the drug addict, crazed uh, hustler, Dee Dee Ramone, who writes songs. Uh-huh. Who's the essence, the aesthetic essence of the Ramones. And you have Joey Ramone, the singer, who definitely has a lot of phobias and a lot of um, 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 issues of uh, 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 anxiety. Anxiety issues. That's really real, real and kind of scary because I, I share some of that. And then you had uh, uh, um, Tommy Ramone, the original drummer, who was like the manager type and sort of another organizer. Uh Very self-contained band. And it's interesting, uh, Chris's view of the Ramones on the road with the Ramones, because it's sort of this horrible family together. (laughs) It's it's almost painful for me to to relive their experience. Right. Uh, I don't know how other Ramones fans feel. I mean, I love the Ramones, especially the first. Sure, time. the music is great. Yeah, yeah, genius. But you know, it's 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 kind of a scary world that that they lived in my in yeah. my. In my, well, in my it feels very life. claustrophobic to me. It's just sort of very narrow. World yeah, though. very narrow. Very yeah, you know, nothing fun. I mean, it's it's, yeah. very, it's it's work, you know, and and the fact that they don't even speaking to each other. Yeah. And the fact that Johnny assigned seats for everybody. <laughs> Very militant. <laughs> Very militant. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, they had to be at their... Maybe a school teacher. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That's just really scary. <laughs> that, that book was put me in a sort of... Um, uh, uh, Chris's take on them put me in a sort of... Uh, not a bad mood, but this sort of a sad... I felt really sad. Yeah. I thought it was very sad. And um, yeah, yeah, and oh. I, so yeah, that's my opinion. Well, anybody, uh, anybody who's a Ramones fan probably would want to read it though, just yes. to kind of get that take on it. Oh yeah, no, anybody interested in, in New York rock and roll, seventies yeah. punk, art, post punk, you it's definitely something you should look at. I mean, it was a pretty magical era. I mean, when yeah. you think of all the bands that came from those that few years at CBGBs. And, you know, the variety, too. I mean, they kind of get clumped together as being this sort of typical punk, new wave, whatever people wanted to call it back then. But they were really pretty different, each one of those artists, you know? Not only that, but they're very different within the band. Yeah, yeah, different, very Kristen different Christina is very different from David Byrne and vice yeah, versa. Sure. Yeah, so there yeah. you go. So, um, so, yeah, so the book is Remain in Love. Remain- <laughs> Remaining Light is a great Remaining Light is a great iconic Talking Heads album. That's my favorite Talking Heads album. And you know, we didn't even bring up Brian Eno, but we'll we'll talk about <laughs> Eno in the future. There's a lot of Eno. Yeah, 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 there's some good Eno stories in the book. So yeah. uh, 
Uh, so Reno story. So okay, so Remain in Love uh, by Chris Brands, uh, published by St. Martin's Press. Brand new book. Yeah, it just came out last week, I think. Yeah. Right? Week yeah. yeah, very yeah. recent. Definitely um, join us for the next one. We are going to be doing a book called Go All the Way, a literary appreciation of Power Pop. Power um, Pop. Yes, I'm a huge fan of Power Pop. Uh, What's not to like about Power Pop? Guitar, exactly. melodies, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's some essays by, uh, uh, there's essays like on Big Star and you know, bands like that. Yippee! And, and it's edited by Paul Myers and S.W. Lavin, and it's a collection of, I don't know, it's about 20 short essays of a wide variety of writers. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about that book. Yes, yes. So that's our next book. So thank you so much for listening to Book Music. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and we will have a playlist for this episode as well as playlists for all of our previous episodes, which we have archived. And uh, you can find links to everything on our website at bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.